welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Oh, me. Yes. Ro, honey, you are the real deal. Somebody say amen to that. You are the real deal. You are a Kiwi, and you've got the toughness of a Kiwi, and yet the Holy Spirit has softened you. It's a perfect combination. Texans love that Kiwi toughness, you know, that Ford tough, you know, it's that thing. It's the truth, it is. Pull your boots up, cupcake. Here we go. You know, it's one of those kind of things. Cowboy up, boy. I can't tell you how many times I heard that. My daddy was a rancher. You got to cowboy up if you're going to get this done. And proudest moment of my daddy's life was when I'm out in the corral. I'm five years old, and he and my pawpaw were out there. <laughs> and he said, uh, now my folks were divorced when I was a year and a half, so I was on a visit. I had my new cowboy outfit on, it's my birthday, and he always got me a cowboy outfit every year, and hat down to boots. I mean, everything was just, you know, all to the nines. And, and uh, uh, so my daddy says, my, my given name is Grady. Okay, they named me Grady. I didn't know that my name was Grady until I was three. He kept calling me Grady, but I thought my name was Rocky, because that's what my mother called me. So, you know, I thought, poor daddy, you know, and she, she, she thought he was drunk when I came home one time, saw, thought I saw him drunk, so I kept saying, poor daddy, and she says, why are you keep saying that? I said, he's sick, mom, and she's like, I know. She said, but, but she's worried. She said, well, hon, did you see something? Did he say something? She said, I said, no, mama, he doesn't even know his own boy's name. He called me Grady the whole time I was there. She said, baby, we got to talk. So I found out. Anyway, so I'm in the corral, and my daddy says to me, Grady, have you ever ridden a calf? And I'm thinking, no, not in East Dallas. I haven't had the opportunity to ride calves. I know, but I said, no, sir. And he looks at me, and, and my papa says, Grady, would you like to? And I said, yes, sir. Out they come with the yearling, they wrap the rope, and they put me on the back. Pawpaw's holding that calf's ears to keep her still. Daddy says, you ready? I said, yep. Turn her loose. And they step back, jump up on the fence of the corral, and watched me go around that, that corral. I didn't last two seconds, but I didn't let go of that rope. So I was dragged around in that muddy mucky, if you understand my meaning, corral with my new birthday suits on. I mean, birthday suit, no, it wasn't my birthday suit. In my, my, new, my new birthday clothes, dragging around, dragging around. They were up on that corral fence slapping their legs, laughing and saying, get her, Grady, get her, boy. Proud as they could be that I would not let go of the rope, right? Then my mama comes out to the back 
screen door and she sees me out there in the corral being dragged around by this calf, she said, you get that baby off that calf right now. They jumped off that fence, yes ma'am, and they went over to me, they ca caught the calf and they were, saying, they were laughing, saying, well he's actually already off of it, but you know. And then daddy said, but you didn't let it go, did you? Proudest moment of his life, other than the first fight I had where I won. You know how that goes, man. That story has literally nothing to do with the message today. You thought it was a great introduction, didn't you? No, there's parts of it that will, but, uh, but it really, that, that was strictly off the cuff. I was thinking about Roe being that tough Kiwi, but softened by the Holy Spirit, you know? It doesn't get more real than Roe, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not just blowing smoke here. I'm telling you the truth, and I'm telling you in front of God and everybody, all right? Because you all need to hear that. I know you probably already believe that, but at the same time, it's good to hear it every once in a while. Amen? And it's good for Roe to hear that every once in a while, too. Uh, she's the real deal. Her faith is like mine. It's, it's simple. It's rooted. It's just there. You know? It's just there, like my wife, just her faith is always there. We get shaky sometimes. We do falter sometimes. We do question things sometimes. But the bottom line is, by the end of the day, we're still raising our hands to the Lord saying, but your will be done. But you know, you know. I don't always know. Hallelujah. Turn to Acts chapter 16, if you will. I normally don't read in public because my left eye doesn't do well. And uh, sometimes I see words that don't exist. <laughs> or I leave out words that, that do exist. Uh, I've got all these black spots in there. And it dots I's and crosses T's and all that kind of thing. But I, but I have uh, several scriptures I want to read. I'm reading out of the King James, so forgive me. Except that I like some of the words because I think some of those words are more accurate. And they certainly have more oomph to them in some of these passages. Acts chapter 16 and beginning in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Mm -hmm. God loves suddenly, doesn't he? There was a great earthquake, a shaking, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's hands were loosed. Bands, excuse me, we're seeing what I'm saying. Bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Let me tell you why. Because if a guard was on duty... And they failed in their duty. As a Roman soldier, you were immediately killed. If one of a group of soldiers keeping watch fell asleep, they were all killed. That's just the way it was. Okay, so he thinks, I'm dead. He woke out of his sleep, supposing that the prisoners had been fled or that they had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. For we are all here. 
The jailer called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. Brought them out of their cell and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your whole house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. My, my, my. It's one of my favorite stories. It's one of those life stories that I, when I found it, when I <clears throat> began to understand it, when I began to comprehend it in a deeper way, when I began to live it out as well, it just increased, increased. Now, some of this today, I'm going to talk to you about the principles of what Paul and Silas did while they were in prison, while they were in trouble, in the midst of their trouble, before they were released, before they really even maybe had hope of release. They were there doing some things. They were there being real with God. They were there being real with each other. And everybody around them heard their reality. This, uh, this scripture, I, I always make notes because I, I, uh, I, I have a lot of scriptures, a lot of stories printed out, and then I don't know until I get there which ones I'm going to use. So this one just popped into my head, though, so I'm going to tell you. It says, He has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall what? See it and fear and trust in the Lord. What does that mean? He's put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall, what? See it. Not just hear it. It's easy for everybody to hear it. It's easy for people to, to hear a song that comes out of my mouth. You can't go down the highway without hearing the boom boom and everybody else's music. And yet we as Christians, of course, roll our windows up and turn the volume down and we don't want to disturb anybody. We need to get some boom boom back in our praise and worship sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Get, get some bottom end here. Many shall see it. What is the see it that they will see? What is that? It's the reality of the song that is coming out of our mouth. People know when it's real. I had a motto when I was a kid, you know, when I say a kid, you know, I was a teenager and that was a long time ago. I have an older sister too, by the way, somebody that's actually older than me. She's going to be 81 this year. And, uh, uh, and when I meet your sister, but you're not going to tell her, if you ever meet her, you're not going to tell her she's 81 because first of all, you wouldn't be able to tell that she's 81. It's ridiculous. She looks like my younger sister. But, uh, but, uh, otherwise, but otherwise, you don't want to tell her because she'll, she'll beat you up. I've had her foot in my chest more times than I care to, to admit to in my lifetime. So, But anyway, I'm gonna, when I meet your sister, I'm going to say, oh, you're the one who couldn't fit into a small car. The much older sister. That's the, that's the way to ingratiate myself into her life. Yeah, yeah. The reality of our lives. This, this saying that I had as a kid, a motto that I had as a kid was just street. It was, if it ain't real, it don't appeal. That was my motto. 
even even is just street like that because come on you can see fake coming up the block you can see a wannabe just when they opened up their mouth you hear what I'm saying somebody ooh, well I'm not gonna go there never mind I'm not gonna go there anyway a hairdresser tried to get all bad on me one day not toward me but all he was he was all that in a bag of chips in his head you know telling me they call me razor I said yeah cuz you're a hairdresser he said he said no see I am going there but anyways I, I said, <coughs> he said uh, he said no no he said uh, I've got this and I've got that and I've trained this and I know this and I'm like uh-huh so I'm just sitting there listening to him and he just goes on and on about how bad he is okay and I'm like help me Jesus help me Jesus but I had to let him know you keep that up somebody's gonna meet you out in the parking lot and show you that razor is a little dull because I could see it in his eyes you ain't that boy you're just insecure you're just insecure so reality then I find out that the Ivy family crest and motto is from ancient times, from the, at least the 1600s, is to be rather than to appear or seem. So it's in the DNA, folks. It's in the blood. If it ain't real, it don't appeal. They just said it differently in England. So what happened when Paul and Silas were in prison? First of all, they praised. They were, they, have you ever been, I don't want to even ask that. I have visited jails in my lifetime in the past. I was just a guest. I didn't have to stay long. I just was a guest. It was country club compared to what Paul and Silas were in. It stunk to high heaven. You know why? Because everything was done in that cell. On the floor. And they had hay on the floor. Usually dirt underneath that. It dripped all the time with the condensation down there. It just stunk. They didn't have any light. It was perfectly dark. Especially at midnight. They'd been beaten and put in there. Their wounds were still open. They were bleeding. Nobody cared. Their feet were in stocks. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't move very well. But instead of going, well, this is a fine mess you got me into, Paul. Well, Father, this is a nice mess you got me into. All I did was stand up and proclaim your name. And here I am in this deepest, darkest dungeon in a country I don't even know. They didn't go there. They said, let's sing. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Let's sing. And they praised. And they prayed. And then they proclaimed the good news. And the prisoners heard them. We got prisoners all over this city. We got prisoners in our own families. We got prisoners in our neighborhoods. We got prisoners going down the highway that want to go over the line. 
push us off the road, ride our rear bumper, cut us off? Do you bless them? <laughs> what if you sang over them? What if you began to speak out the good news, even though they can't hear a word you're saying, just speak out the good news over their life? Lord, bless them, keep them safe, keep everybody safe around them. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? I am telling you a testimony right now. God has taken 99% of the road rage out of me. 99%. I say 99 because every once in a while I go, oh, 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 oh. You know? You, you're tempted to still go there. <clears throat> They prayed. They more than likely prayed for those around them. They more than likely prayed for the city that had just thrown them into the jail cell. And they proclaimed when it was time to proclaim. I'm quite certain, though, that they were proclaiming in their praise. They were proclaiming in their prayer. But then there is a proclamation, and we're going to separate those three because they all mix, okay? You can have praise in your prayer time. You can have uh, a pro proclamation in your, in your praise. You see what I'm saying? It all intermingles, but they are distinct. There is a distinction between each one of those, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. I know you've heard a, a, a song. I don't have my phone. Never mind. I know you've heard a song. And, and I know you, you like it, and I'm not saying anything negative about this song, okay? So don't, don't go at me. I'm tender. <laughs> Worship is my warfare. Now listen. Yes and no. And I'm going to separate the two for you for just a moment, okay? Yes and no. I'm going to start with the no first, Okay? I have a lot of friends in town, and I read a lot about other people who, who uh, are in this same mindset of weaponizing their worship, okay? The enemy is attacking, and they weaponize their worship. They start singing songs. <clears throat> Don't misunderstand me. Again, there's a time for a violent song to be sung, okay? There's a time to let your soul know that God is in charge and let the enemy know that God is in charge. But if you focus all your attention on the warfare, if you focus all your attention or most of your attention on the enemy, who's being glorified? You hear me? Who's being glorified? You think about what you see before your face. If you focus on the enemy, the enemy has your attention. If you focus on the enemy, the bully is winning. The bully has your attention. You hear me? Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's ignore the bully because you disarm the bully when you pay him no attention. And the professional right here, the professional counselor is amen and then saying that's right. That's the truth. We disarm our enemy when we pay them no attention. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> now, I do believe, though, that God does use our worship, our praise, but it's Him that uses it. We don't have to sing negative stuff about devils. <laughs> you know, we don't have, we don't have, you, you lost, he won. You don't have to do that. God, if you just sing a real song to God in the moment, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to deliver you from your enemies because you've shown that your trust is in me. Perfect, perfect example of this is in Second Chronicles 20. When Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel, or in Judah in particular, were surrounded by enemies, countless enemies, several countries, surrounded them. They were outnumbered completely. They did not have the might by which they could win. And they knew it. Not in, not in the flesh. They couldn't do it. So Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, he goes to the Lord. And he calls for a fast. And he has everybody bow the knee to the Lord. And he says, Oh, our, our Lord, our God, you are the one that delivered ch your children out of Egypt and into this land, etc., etc., etc. He begins to remind himself, begins to remind the people, begins to remind God himself. This is who you are. Now we're surrounded. And we have no might against this enemy. And neither do we know what to do. Ever been there? Lord, my God, I am surrounded by enemies and I don't know what to do. This is what Jehoshaphat said. But, that's the fact. But, here's the reality. Our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you. We want to see what you're doing. Jesus said, I don't do anything I don't see the Father doing. What I don't see the Father doing, you see? Then I'm going to go do it if I see him do it. And so Jehoshaphat was saying basically the same thing. Our eyes are on you. Whatever you direct us to do, that is what we will do, even when it doesn't make sense. Even in my own reasoning, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to do it. What'd they do? The next day, a prophet stood up and said, you'll not need to fight in this battle because the battle is the Lord's. Jehoshaphat said, believe in his prophets as well. Believe his prophets and we'll prosper. Then they put the musicians out in front. I don't know if all those musicians were all in either. But the king said, I'm going to put you out in front of all the army. Y'all are going to be unarmed. But you're going to be out there first. Because we can't win this anyway. Without God. So they put the musicians out there first, and they began to sing, For the Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. Do you know how many times they sang that song in the Old Testament? Countless times. It was their go-to song. The Lord, endures and his, or his, the Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. 
And the Bible says, when they began to sing, the Lord himself set ambushments against the enemy, and they were all dead. And when they got there to the battlefield, the point of meeting their enemy, the point of dealing with, confronting, handling it, they didn't have to fight in that battle, did they? They were all dead. Now, I want to tell you, there was some rejoicing going on that day. Don't tell me there wasn't. When Egypt goes down below the Red Sea, Israel comes out to the shore, dances all around the dead bodies with their tambourines, and they sing the song of the Lord because their enemies have been vanquished. There was some rejoicing that day. God, they didn't go out utilizing their, weaponizing their, their worship. They went out there with pure hearts toward God saying, we can't do it without you. They didn't weaponize it. They worshipped. Then God used it. They're showing their trust in me. I'm going to whip some booty over here. And they're going to give me the glory. Because they're going to know I did this. And all the enemies of the world are going to tremble at this testimony. <clears throat> Praise is supposed to be rooted in intimacy. Praise is to be real. Real intimacy with our God. If we weaponize our worship to make that the central focus of any meeting or of any heart, we have cheapened our song. Hear me when I say it. Because I mean this. This is, this is from God right here. We cheapen our song. If we weaponize it, if we throw our love what it should be, we throw our love at the enemy and say, take that. It's different than when we turn our backs on the enemy and say, take this. Take this, Lord. I'm, turning, I'm ignoring this loud mouth back here. I'm talking to you now. I'm just going to talk to you. He's talking to me. My enemies are trying to bring up my past. My enemies are trying to bring up facts about me. But I know the truth of who you are and who I am in you. So when the enemy comes along, I've told you all this before, some of you remember. When the enemy comes along and starts berating me, starts putting me down, starts telling me stuff like, you'll never be it. You'll never do it. You'll never accomplish it. You'll never have it, etc., etc., etc. Here's my answer, at least eventually. Because <laughs> I can get under it just as fast as some of y'all can, believe it or not. And I've been doing this for 50 years. 50 years in October, hallelujah, I'll be born again, 50 years in October. And I'll also be another year older uh, in, in my physical body, if, it, if it's even possible. But I will say to the enemy, after I've, I've let him beat up on me a little bit sometimes, sometimes it's instant, but sometimes I just let him beat up on me because it goes right to that emotion, right? goes directly to that emotion and I feel what he's saying 
You hear me? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I feel it. And I can't hardly disagree with him because I can feel it. It's a fact in some cases. It's a fact what he's saying about me. But I can feel what he's saying. But eventually I go, you know what, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. If I'm nothing, if I'm never going to be something, if I'm never going to have it, if I'm never going to complete it, if I'm never going to get it, why are you bothering me? What are you doing here? Wasting your time on a nothing. You hear me? But the fact is, there's nobody in here, not one of you, that's nothing. Nobody. We took communion a minute ago because Christ died for you when you were nothing. But he made you something that could glorify him even in your imperfection. The enemy comes along and says, look at him. He said this about a high priest one time. The devil did. He said, look at him. He doesn't look like a high priest. He doesn't deserve this position. They just come out of, out of uh, Babylon, back into Israel after 70 years of captivity. This is what the angel of the Lord says to him. Yes, but is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? Yes, he's covered in the charcoal. Yes, he's covered in the burning. Yes, he's covered in the soot of captivity. No, he doesn't know everything he's supposed to know. No, he's not everything he's supposed to be. But he will become that because I declare it, says the Lord. And you bring a hat and put it on his head. You put a ring on this man's finger. You put sandal on his feet. You put a, 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 a new set of clothes on his body. And now, boy, you go do what I've called you to do. And I'll train you in the process. That's what the, the Lord of heaven says about you when the enemy comes along and says they're not worth it. They don't deserve it. No, but I did it anyway. True praise is simply loving Jesus. Loving our Father in heaven. Loving his Holy Spirit that has now come to be present with us and comfort us daily. Lead us into all truth. Lead us into the resurrection power that Christ walked in and purchased for us to walk in. It's intimacy with God. That's what praise is. It's intimacy with God. It's not to be thrown about willy-nilly in a warfare uh, uh, manner. It should be first of all, even when you go to war with a song, it should first of all be rooted in intimacy in Christ. Sing to Him first. Sing to Him first. Then you can say, now you go. That's the introduction. Praise is a recognition and acknowledgement of worth. It's a testimonial. 
It's intimacy with God. It's thanksgiving. It's hearts bowed down in worship to God. Because you know what? You can have, you can have praise without worship. Did you know that? I'm going to explain that in just a second. But you cannot have true worship without praise. Because you're going to be thankful if you're going to really worship. There's going to be a thankful heart in us if we're really going to worship. Prayer. Prayer's many levels. Oh my gosh. There's so many levels of prayer. We can't even touch it. But it's meditation. And it's simple but deep intimacy with God. See, it's just like praise in that sense. Calling on God, calling God to action. Then there's proclamation, which is declaring God's att attributes, first of all. And again, just, again, like praise. Prophesying and declaring that the will of God will be done. Amen? And let me tell you something real quick here. There's no formula for praise. There's not many formulas at all, if any, in the kingdom of God. I'm not a believer in formulas when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to faith. I'm not a believer in formulas at all. I don't believe God or the Holy Spirit uh, that he sent us now uh, works according to uh, formulas. You know, do it this way and it will always work out this way. There's only one absolute that you can walk in and it always turns out right. Always. Love. You walk in God's love, not just the emotion of love. Because nowadays people think that's what, what love is. This emotion, if I feel it, then I love them. <clears throat> There's times when I don't love somebody, but I walk in love. To say, but I'm making a choice to serve you, to pray for you, to, to uh, uh, minister to you in some other way, speak the truth to you. Nowadays, how many times have you seen these little vignettes on Facebook and, and Instagram? Uh, like one, bye dad. Where are you going? True, true. Had it on the camera outside the porch. I'm running away, and this kid walks out. He's probably eight, nine years old. And he's got his backpack on, going out the, the, the picket fence gate. His dad runs out. What do you mean? Where are you, what do you mean running away? Where are you going? Uh, you don't love me anymore. What are you talking about? I don't love you anymore. He said, you told me to get off my game. He said, that doesn't mean I don't love you. He said, yes, it does. And that's the way many are today. Correct me, and you don't love me. I read a post one day, this, uh, this boy was really going at this lady. And I, I don't usually get involved in those things, you know what I'm saying? But that day I did. He said, you're a horrible mother if you don't support all of your child's decisions. <clears throat> and all the mothers said, mm-mm. You're a horrible mother if you don't support your child, all your child's decisions. I, that's a quote. And I said, hey, Hoss, <laughs> first of all, you don't know this lady. I do, you know, and uh, she loves her kids very much. She wasn't even talking about anything that she was disagreeing with her child. He misunderstood entirely what the, what the post was about. I said, but here's the bottom line. Do you think really that you can support all your child's decisions? Yes. Mm, well, here's one you can't. What if they're running right out into the middle of the road and the car is coming? You going to say stop? I never heard another thing out of him. You can't support that kind of thinking. 
And you can't support everybody's decisions, but you can disagree with them in love. We don't have to hate each other anymore. <clears throat> Jesus purchased the wall that separated us. <clears throat> and he took it down, and he is still manifestly taking it down brick by brick. We don't have to live like that. That's the world standard. But in this time of trouble that we're in at this time, in this world, all over the world, if we learn to pray and to praise and proclaim, watch what happens. If the church comes together again to praise and pray and proclaim. God doesn't work according to formulas. He's, he's uncontainable. He's unexplainable. And he always does the unexpected. Even when he answers our prayers and it works out kind of the way we wanted it to, it doesn't look like the way we thought it would, did it? Sometimes it never comes out the way we thought it would. But re relegating the God of the universe to a formula is like putting God on autopilot. <clears throat> He's not going to work that way. Our praise is either real or it's not real. Either our trust, either we're trusting him or we're not trusting him. Our song is either our testimony or it's not a real testimony. It's just a song we're singing because we're in church and everybody's watching. I'm going to tell you something real quick. We were having part, Roe and Alan and I were talking about this earlier, just a, a fraction of this. But uh, God talks to me pretty straightforward. Roe said, he always calls me darling. And, you know, and, and I've got another uh, f uh, female friend, and uh, she says, God calls her baby girl. Well, he never called me baby girl. He never called me darling. He speaks very straightforward to me. And, and Roe pointed it out, which we have to agree, is that she speaks to God that way. I speak very directly to God. Get right to the point. I'm kind of blunt. I'm kind of blunt in counseling, too. You can ask anybody who's been in my counseling. Uh, so, <laughs> well, one time, I won't get into the details, but uh, uh, somebody said, uh, is he supposed to say that to me? <laughs> Asked the husband, is he supposed to say that to me? And the husband said, yeah, if it's him, yeah, yeah, he can say that. So, So, <laughs> I, I had a brain burp for a minute there. Yeah, I remember now what it was. Again, it's not my notes, see? The, uh, uh, the, the Lord speaks bluntly to me. So back in the early 70s, Jesus movement, mid-70s, Jesus movement, I'm, I'm a young Christian. I've been, to, I've been a Christian for about four or five years. I'm in worship service one day at our church in Dallas, and, and I'm not wanting to be there that day. I don't know if any of y'all ever felt that way about going to church, but I did not want to be there that day. But I was, I was a, a, a youth elder. I was expected to be there, and so I showed up because I was expected to. Now I'm in the worship service. 
Well, normally in worship service, I'm kind of all over the place, except now that I'm older and, and I don't want to fall over. But, but I was all over the place, and I was all in. That day, I was not all in. My emotions were in control. So I know that everybody's watching. You know, they, you think that everybody's watching you all the time, don't you? Like it's written all over your face. He ain't real today. He ain't getting it done today. Right? Wonder what's the matter with him. Wonder why he's not worshiping. I used to say, how come you ain't worshiping, but you're watching me? Right? So, I'm thinking, okay, everybody's, I got to be a good example. Oh, I got to be. So I raise my hands, and I'm mouthing the words. I'm not even singing. I'm just moving my mouth. I was really, really under it that day. I'm moving my mouth, and I've got my hands raised. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to me very clearly, almost loudly. And there's a scripture to support this, by the way. We won't go into all of that. It's too long. But he says to me, put your arms down or I'll break them. Let me tell you what Rocky did. <laughs> My arms were down, Hoss. You hear him? And I, as soon as I put my arms down, this is what he said to me. I have called you to be a worship leader. You will never fake it again. Let me just tell you. You may say, I don't think God would speak like that. I have never faked it again now you tell me who gets the fruit out of that you tell me who gets the glory out of that I'm gonna make a guess on where the scripture is all right but it's there in the Old Testament it's there there is no particular style of song that appeals to God more than another there's no particular expression of praise that appeals to God more than another. Somebody may dance over here. Another one over here is raising their hands. Another one's kneeling. Whatever's appropriate for that person at the time is what's appropriate for God. I promise you that when my reality is coming out of an old hymn like, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. My song appeals to the Lord of heaven just as much as when I'm singing an elevation song or a Bethel song or Caleb. There's no particular style. Just reality. Is it my testimony that I'm singing? Is it the desire of my heart for that to become my testimony? Even if it's not real yet, but it's my desire for it to happen. Is it real? Do you, do you take communion and say, I'm faking it because I'm expected to take this communion. Everybody's going to wonder if I don't take the communion. Why isn't he taking communion? Wonder what the sin might be in his life. Forget all that noise. That's chatter. If you don't want to take it right then because of, of your conscience is bothering you, don't take it. It's safer. That's the truth. But the fact is, sometimes even when you're singing, you're going, Lord, this isn't real in my life, but I sure want it to be. Tears streaming down your face. It isn't real yet, but I want it to be. And the Lord says, who receives more mercy? The one who says, I give tithes all the time. 
I do this and I do that. Or this one over here that slaps his breasts. Lord, forgive me, a poor sinner. He said, it's that one. The one that humbled himself. That's the one who receives mercy. True praise should start out our prayers. Jesus said that. Pray after this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He didn't start it off with give me this day my daily bread. <laughs> but we do, don't we? Ooh, we're all guilty of it. We, we go right to the jugular. I want this. I need this. I'm telling you, I don't, have pray, I don't have time to pray about it all day, Lord, but I'm telling you now, I need this. Can you imagine singing, I thank you, Lord, for giving me my daily bread. And if you don't do it, I'll misunderstand you. I'll go into depression and doubt until you do something else good for me so that I can believe that you exist and that you love me. Amen. Right? Now, we wouldn't sing those words, but don't we feel it sometimes? I'm not digging what you're doing right now, Lord. I, I know you love me, but I don't know if you always like me. Right? He always likes you. It just doesn't feel like it. True praise, the reason, one of the reasons, not the only reason, but true praise is selfless. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus wants us to start off that way. Focus on your Father in heaven. The main reason he wants us to do it is because we're supposed to focus on our Father in heaven. That's one. Focus on your Father in heaven. And as you begin to recognize who God is and who you are in him, what he's accomplished in you, for you, etc., and who you are now in him. All your filters begin to fade. All your past experiences that are negative pale in comparison to his goodness. You begin to remember who he is. You begin to remember who you are in him. And then faith begins to arise. And selflessness goes out the window. True praise is selfless. So is true prayer and true proclamation. But let me just tell you this. You can't truly praise and have an agenda. You can't truly praise and have all kinds of darkness in you. You can't truly praise and stay depressed for very long. When I went through a time of depression, this is after my brother was murdered, my sister-in-law committed suicide, my dad died, my daddy died, my natural father died, my, the rancher, and my mother lost everything she had. And some other things happened, all in a space of two years. I went into a time of depression. The only thing that would help me come up out of that was when I would praise him. I'd go right back into depression pretty soon. But the only thing that would deliver me in the moment was just like with Saul and David. Saul, that heaviness, that spirit would come on him and David would play and it would lift. True praise, though, is selfless. If you go into true praise, if you begin to recognize God and who you are in God, you can then say, your kingdom come. No matter what it looks like, even when I don't understand it, 
your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right here on this little spot of earth. Even as it is in heaven. Then you can ask for your daily bread. Let me give you a little side note here. Your daily bread is Jesus himself. He is the bread of heaven. He is the manna that came down. He is the bread of heaven. That's what you need. More than you need your money. More than you need your bills paid. More than you need food on the table. Because man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of his father's mouth. So Jesus said, pray, our Father, hallowed be thy name. That's sanctifying God, saying your name is more to me than any other name that can be named. Your name is higher than any enemy that is coming against me. Your name is higher than, than uh, poverty. Your name is higher than the name of any disease. Your name is higher than, and lifted up more than COVID. The name of COVID-19 that makes us tremble in our boots when we hear the name. I'm not making fun of that. I'm really not. We're living in a, a real different time. <laughs> but at the same time, I am not going to tremble except in the presence of God. If I can do anything about it at all. We'll move along here real quick. Hallelujah. Prayer, again, is intimacy with God. Prayer is asking and receiving. Prayer is asking, uh, uh, seeking, knocking. If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open to you. Why? Because of the reality of your heart, the selflessness of your heart toward God. I want, your, I want you to open up the doors that you want open, Lord. I'm going to knock and keep on knocking until I see the answer to what your will is. I'm going to ask until I receive your will for my life. Not that I have the agenda to say, Lord, I'm going to ask for this and I expect you to give it to me. I'm going to seek you for this and I expect you to, to, to uh, uh, give it to me. I'm going to knock and keep on knocking until you hear me about what I'm wanting and you do it my way. Selflessness in our prayer time. You set aside your own self, your own agenda, our own need to say, I'm going to give you all of it. I'm going to lay it down on your altar. And I'm going to believe you for the outcome. When I was in the Soviet Union, I was arrested by the KGB. It was back in 1980 when it was still the Soviet Union. I was arrested because I had some information on me to, get, to help get families out of the Soviet Union. That's a no-no in the Soviet Union. So I was arrested, and I was detained for the entire day. It was there early in the morning, and I'll tell you what happened that, later on that night. So I was telling Janice on the way in this morning, I said, you know, I've, I've been really affrighted on a few occasions, and one of them was when I got arrested by the KGB. So a big soldier pulls me right over the counter, drags me, drags me down the hall, threw me into a room with five other soldiers, and they were not gentle. And I was afraid because I was looking at prison time for what I was trying to do. 
But later on in the evening, the Lord showed up. And I'm telling you, other than the day I got saved, I have never felt the presence of God so strong. It was overwhelming. His presence was so strong. And I said, I can go through anything if you're with me like this. Then I go out from that room. They took me out of a room and put me in another place with a soldier who had his AK strapped to his chest and sitting across from me. I mean, like, across from me, <laughs> an aisle. He was right there with his AK like this, looking me in the eye. I knew two songs in Russian. This was in the Ukraine, but they were speaking Russian. So I knew uh, uh, two songs in Russian. He is Lord and Thou Art Worthy, two old songs. And I sang those two songs back to back to that soldier looking him right in the eye for over an hour. That was my witness. He is Lord and thou art worthy. So when I'm looking at him, he is Lord. He has risen from the dead and he is Lord for over an hour. And then I break into thou art worthy, thou art worthy to receive glory. See? For over an hour, at the end of that time, I look over there at that soldier and tears are streaming down his cheeks. And just about that time, the main commandant comes in, hands me a piece of paper, says, sign this. And I said, I'm not signing something I can't read. So I called my, my friend and interpreter, Volodya Filipenko, into the room and I said, you read this. He, they called him in. I didn't have any rights, but they called him in. He read it to me. He said, Brock, they're letting us go. I said, why? And he said, I don't know, but we don't need to argue with that. <laughs> They're letting us go, man. It was midnight. I'd already prayed. I'd already praised. And the prisoners were hearing it. And they were seeing it. And that place was shaken. There's a lot of other things I could be telling you about. I'm just telling you that part. That place was shaken with our testimony that entire 24 hours. Awesome. And at midnight, just like Paul and Silas, our team was released back into the freedom of the West. When we're in trouble, it's so easy to come to God. Say, I'm in trouble. I need your help. I need you. But when it's the good times, when it's easy, when everything's going our way, do we still go back to him? Do we still go back with the same fervency? Do we still go in there and say, Lord, I need you more when it's good times than I do when it's bad times? That's why it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not because he's rich. It's not because God hates money. It's because they depend on it. I say they because I ain't never been rich. It's because the rich man depends on it. And they think they have need of nothing else. So they don't pray as much, even when they're Christians, maybe. I'm not, I'm not, it's not an indictment against rich people. Don't misunderstand me. I absolutely love it when people are rich because they give to ministries. <laughs> no, just, it's, it's, that's what's meant to happen, though. 
I'm not talking about a redistribution of wealth. I'm not. I'm talking about the heart. It's hard when things are going good to seek the Lord with the same measure of fervency. It's difficult because we're all up into our good time now. David, the psalmist and the prophet, the king, said, Lord, don't bless me so much that I forget you. And don't make me so poor that I despise you. Keep me praying. Keep me praising. Keep me proclaiming. I think the two most perfect praise songs regarding these principles are these two right here. It is well with my soul. It's perfect. If you knew the story behind it, you need to. Man lost his whole family out in the middle of the ocean. He went out to the spot. He asked the captain to tell him, tell me when we're in the spot where the ship went down. And he goes out there on the deck. He's looking at the spot where he lost his girls, his wife. He stood there and wrote that song. It is well with my soul. The other one is more contemporary. It's still kind of old compared to where we are today, but it's, it's, it's a great, great praise song. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever comes to pass, Whatever lies before me, at the end of the day, he doesn't say that, but I added that. Let me still be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul. Worship his holy name. Perfect. It doesn't get any better than that. The reality of that song is no matter what happens, Lord, let me be singing at the end of the day. Let me sing in the morning. Let me sing throughout the day. But especially at the end of the day, let me set all of that aside and say one more time, I bless you. With all that is within me, my soul represents my emotions, my will, my mind, let all of that worship you at the end of the day. And let me wake up the same time, the same way, worshiping you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that that's your will for us always. Today, Lord, most of it's a reminder to many of us in, in this uh, congregation to some, it may be a little new. To me, it's praise 101. And yet, help us to never forget to walk in these principles, whether the good times or the bad times are in front of us. No matter what we're immersed in in the moment,
no matter how bad it is or how good it is. Let us be singing in the morning. Let us be praying throughout the day. Let our song rise up again in the middle of the night. To say, you're still Lord. Even if today didn't go the way I wanted it to, you're still Lord. You're still my Lord. You're still my God. You're still my Savior. You're still the lover of my soul. You're still my healer. You're still my deliverer. <clears throat> You're still my portion. You're still my bread. You're still my shield of faith. You're still my sword of truth. You're still my salvation. And we thank you for who you are, Father, tomorrow, this morning. We thank you for who you are. Let of all of our tomorrows praise you as well. In Jesus' name. Stand up on your feet with me, if you will, please. Pete, can we throw on some music or something? Or you can come play the guitar, it doesn't matter to me, whatever you want to do. But if you want to not just rededicate your life, but if you want to rededicate your praise to the Lord, now's the time to do that. Just raise your hands to the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. Just raise your hand to the Lord if you want to rededicate. You may not need to rededicate your praise life. But rededicate yourself to the Lord now if you can. If you desire to, if you can feel the Holy Spirit saying you need to be the one doing this too. If you want to rededicate your prayer, your prayer life, ask Him to help you with that. It's not about amount of time. It's about quality of time spent with the Lord when it comes to prayer. It's about the intimacy of it. It's about us talking to God and letting Him talk back to us hearing what he has to say and saying yes because that's what he desires he wants a real yes from us there's nothing he desires more to hear than a true actual genuine yes to his will When you know the will of God, you can stand up and proclaim. We didn't get into that today. We, just, we need to stop here. When you know the will of God, you can stand up and proclaim it. It's, not, it's a declarative prayer. It's not an asking prayer. It's a declarative thing. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. Lazarus, come forth. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That's declarative. That's proclaiming the truth and the will of God in any particular situation or into the generalities of this life and this world that we're now in. That takes boldness, the boldness of the Holy Spirit. But we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers today, for hearing our reality today. Thank you for helping us to rededicate our praise to you, to say I'll make it real.
by your grace, by your spirit. It's nothing I can do to make it happen. I just know now that it needs to happen. It needs to be renewed. It needs to be rejuvenated. And I'm asking you to help me so that I can be real at all times. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for coming. We're dismissed.